So homage to the blessed one, the noble one, the rightly self-awakened one. And good morning to everyone of the laity who have this faith to come together to practice the Dhamma in this way. And today is the sixth day of this retreat. We started on Saturday, the 6th of March. And uh, we've been practicing now for these six days. Um, and so the practice of Dhamma is for the sake of cultivating our hearts, of raising them, making them better. And this is what we call bhavana, or meditation. So bhavana is the development, the cultivation, the raising up of goodness, the uh, making or purifying. So we see in the teachings of the Buddha, the Ovada Padimoka sermon that he gave, uh, this path is summarized into abandoning all evil, of cultivating and uh, giving rise to skillfulness, and purifying the heart so that it's bright. And uh, this is the heart of all of the Buddha's teachings, that every single Buddha who attains to awakening, who uh, reaches uh, the state of the knowledge of awakening, uh, bodhiyana, and attain to Buddhahood, they'll all lay down this teaching, this heart of the Buddhist religion. So all of us, we've come together to practice in this retreat online, and we're all ready. And uh, we have this intention to receive these teachings. We all wish to be freed from suffering. And uh, we're also developing our barami, our spiritual virtues, in order to free ourselves from the suffering as well. And so the people who have helped to organize this retreat are doing this. They are cultivating their barami for the sake of freedom from suffering sacrificed a lot of time, a lot of energy, in order to make this possible, um, to help out um, other people. And this is a great form of merit and a very skillful action. So both the monastics and the lay people, um, and everyone who's given their support, and really everyone who is joining this retreat is giving a helping hand as well, we're all helping each other out uh, with the fullness of our hearts. Uh, because when we come to practice the Dhamma, then we have this sincerity, we bring our sincerity along as, long, along as well to practice, to get to know these teachings, to really be focused in understanding uh, these teachings of the Buddha. So the sattā, the faith that we have, is very important. Uh, belief, the conviction in the teachings of the Buddha conviction that he really did attain to awakening, that the Dhamma that he taught, when we put this into practice, it really does lead us out of suffering, that that Dhamma is well taught and it's to be known individually for the wise, to be known for ourselves. And it's also a kalika, it gives results independent of time. So even though the Buddha passed away into final Nibbāna 2,564 years ago. This training and its teachings are still with us. And uh, so we 
come to take up this training, uh, to give it what we have. And uh, we realize um, that it does give us benefits. This uh, practice that when we do it, then it will give us benefits. So this Dhamma that the Buddha taught, it's still here and with us. In order for it to give us benefits, however, we need to put it into practice. And if we don't practice it, then even though that Dhamma is there, it won't be able to help us. It won't be able to assist us to relieve our suffering. So having this Dhamma, we also need to train in line with Dhamma. We need to train our hearts. And in doing so, the stress, the difficulties, the pain we feel will reduce little by little. And pain, suffering will get further and further away from our hearts. And even though most of the people listening live a lay life, it's still possible for everyone to practice. Because we see that during the time of the Buddha, he mostly taught lay people. And for most of the lay people, um, they were Dhamma practitioners. They trained in the Dhamma. And uh, so we could say that it was like a, a spiritual error that people gave importance to their hearts. They took their minds as something very important. But now things are different and we live in an age where material things, where wealth is more important, this age of materialism. And we think that if we have a lot of money, then we'll only experience happiness. But we forget our hearts. And uh, we forget that we have this mind of a human, uh, manusa, the word in Pali means one who is upright. It also means human, so a higher mind, an upright mind. And we also have this life. So if we have a mind that is meritorious, um, then it's like our minds have life as well. But if they lack merit, if they lack goodness, then these minds of ours become withered, they become melancholy. And just like a leaf in summer, when there's no rain that's fallen for a long time, it will become dry and withered, it won't be green, it won't be fresh. And so for us, um, if we build up a lot of goodness, if we create a lot of merit, um, then it's like there's leaf in the forest um, when there's just been some fresh rain and that leaf uh, turns green, the whole forest goes green and fresh and it has life. And so when we take up this path of Buddhism, we all have faith and we support the Buddhist religion as best we can. And when we do this through our generosity, um, then it can give life to this Buddhist religion. Uh, because this religion, it, dep it depends upon the uh, sasana watu, the material aspect of the religion. But it also needs the uh, sasana pugala, the members or the people there in that religion. 
And it requires both of these, both the material aspect and also the personnel uh, for the religion to have life. And if there's just the materials, but there isn't anyone practicing, then that religion won't have life. So for our minds to be fresh, to have this uh, quality of uh, freshness, of, uh, of life to them, and what this comes from is the goodness that we create from our skillful acts, from our meritorious deeds, and also from us keeping our sila, our precepts, this is a very skillful action. So the Buddha taught to, to give up, uh, to be generous, to abandon our selfishness. And we contemplate that we don't stay in this world for very long. And in doing so, we more easily uh, share our wealth and our things with other people. We also take up this uh, Dhamma Tana, uh, the sharing of the Dhamma, sharing of knowledge. And so like the people who have organized this retreat, they have sacrificed in order to share this Dhamma, to be able to share these teachings so that everyone who has joined can receive them, can study them. And uh, this is the gift of, dana, of Dhamma. And uh, so when we really are sincere in taking up this practice, uh, then we also need to keep virtue as well. And this is something very important. It arises from us seeing the drawbacks in chaos and being agitated. And um, it's normal for most people in this world, uh, people who are thick with defilements, to follow all of their emotions constantly. They have greed, hatred, and delusion, and they're always running after those. They're always being dragged along by those. But we should contemplate uh, to see that acting in that way gives us no benefit. It just leads to waste. It just leads to destruction. And if we go along the wrong path, walk on these ways of deprivation, of going out on the town at night, of drinking alcohol, of gambling, and getting involved with bad friends, then this just, it wastes our time, and it also wastes our hearts as well. But when we keep these precepts, and we'll gain the knowledge that we really shouldn't be heedless, we see that the time that we have has great value. And so we see that this time, it keeps moving without stop. It carries on going. And time swallows everything. It swallows all beings. It even swallows itself. And uh, so it just carries on going. Every single minute, uh, time moves on. And sometimes we get the feeling that we have too little time. We don't have enough of this time to complete our work. And that's because time carries on going without stopping. So if we're heedless uh, through drinking, uh, taking drugs, um, then we waste this time. And we use our time in a way that brings great damage, that doesn't bring us any peace whatsoever. And there's one story of a hermit who was able to enter into very deep jhana, 
and uh, he could travel or when he was in the state of jhana um, he could travel wherever he wanted uh, throughout any realm of existence and this is what he would do other than when the time that he was eating he would enter into these deep states of absorption and travel around uh, all the realms so he carried on doing this for a hundred years until the end of his life and he never reached the end of it so this is similar to us knowing all of the information that can come up these days that we can have access to so much news so much information and it goes on without stop and it doesn't bring us any peace it doesn't bring us any benefit there's all these knowledge in the world the different worldly subjects that we can study and uh, and all the different events that happen in society there's a huge amount of this but we need to be wise around these things to have intelligence to not get deluded in the things of this world uh, because the world is so open now so we need to meet with it we need to live in it with wisdom to know how to use this technology in a way that brings benefit and if we can use it in that way then that shows that we do have wisdom we are people of intelligence and so now that all of us are able almost 500 people are able to come together to practice like this even though we all live so far away we are relying upon intelligence that we're relying upon technology and uh, it's those people who have intelligence and wisdom who can use technology in this way and choose to cultivate our hearts through this technology so the dhamma these teachings is that of abandoning unskillfulness evil states of giving rise to uh, skillfulness so this papa uh, demerit or evil it's that which brings up heat and no one wants this inner heat we all want merit we all want to experience coolness and uh, so we do this and we practice we give up our selfishness and uh, we see the benefits of keeping sila that this brings us happiness and so after the precept uh, the monk chants uh, silena sukatinyanti uh, silena bhogasampada that sila virtue it brings us this noble wealth it brings us happiness and then even higher than that is silena nibbutangyanti that the sila it gives rise to coolness because we see that those people who don't have virtue they live in a very agitated state they have anger come up they have delusion come up they have greed or lust come up and they just follow after that they do whatever their hearts tell them and this brings up a lot of suffering brings up many problems within their own minds within their families within their circle of friends in their workplaces and if they are leaders then it can bring up many many problems and we see that leaders need to have goodness they need to have virtue and if they do have these qualities then the people under them the society there will live in happiness so in whichever country 
there is Buddhism there and the leader of that country supports Buddhism, we'll see that it's a cool place. Uh, because Buddhism teaches us not to harm, not to harm anyone. And wherever Buddhism goes, then it will have a cooling effect on that place. All of us are leaders of something. We're leaders of our family, we're leaders of a group of practitioners. Um, and so when we are leaders with goodness, and this brings coolness, it brings coolness in our houses, it brings peace uh, within the relationships we have, whether it's between husband or wife or father, mother and their children. And this is due to the virtue that we keep. Difficulties, however, can arise when the views we hold are different, because it's normal that our minds will be different. But we should understand that this is just something very common, that minds will hold different views, they won't be the same. And uh, we need to be cautious if we start attaching to our own views, because this attachment comes from a sense of me and mine, that this is my view. So we need to look at this view as being Dhamma, we need to look at it in terms of Dhamma. See that these thoughts, these views, they are sankharas. And a sankhara is something which has conditions giving rise to it. So we see that everything which has a condition that's producing it cannot be taken as a self. So some people ask, is Nibbana really there? Is it real? And the answer is, yes, it is there. But then they ask, where is it? But you can't say that it's anywhere. It's, it's, it isn't anywhere. It's in no direction. But Nibbana is real. This coolness is real. And so we can see within our houses that our house has a floor and it also has a ceiling. But there's a space in between those two, in the middle. And this is emptiness. So we see within our minds that there is pleasure and displeasure, there's attraction and aversion. But the state that isn't attracted and isn't averse, we don't hear about that and we don't train in that. But if we do come to train our minds to not give rise to liking or disliking, attraction and aversion, then we'll see this emptiness this state of purity arise in our minds, uh, the state which is in between happiness and sadness. So we see clearly like this, and at times then the Dhamma can arise for us. We contemplate and the heart becomes rapturous, it becomes very full. And uh, we listen to these teachings of the Dhamma, and uh, we can get to know the Dhamma in this way. So when we have mindfulness that allows us to see into the Dhamma, uh, this is the uh, sati bojanga, uh, the factor of awakening of mindfulness. 
And uh, we try to cultivate this every day so that it becomes more profound, so that uh, we develop it to stronger levels. And when our mindfulness gets better and better, then it's able to become very firm in the heart. We can see the arising and ceasing of all physicality and mentality, understand that everything is conventions, and also understand liberation. See that these conventions, this me and this mine, um, well, we see that with mindfulness, and then wisdom arises very clearly. And this is the factor of awakening, of panya, of wisdom. So if we see clearly like this, then effort, the sincerity, arises. And this is virya, bhujanga, the uh, factor of awakening, of persistence, or effort. The mind becomes peaceful and removed uh, from its sense objects. It feels a fullness internally. There's peace in the mind. And uh, this is uh, pasadi, bhojanga, the factor of awakening, of tranquility. And then when any dhamma arises in the heart, whatever aspect that is, then we contemplate it, we analyze it. And uh, we look into one aspect of the Buddha's teachings, for example, that form is not me. And we take this and we turn it over, back and forth, back and forth, seeing the body as just being empty, seeing it as a collection of elements, seeing it as being something not beautiful. And here the mind can become very joyous. And uh, this is from Dhamma Vijaya, this analysis of the Dhamma. And so we focus on these teachings until we see them clearly, until the mind uh, becomes equanimous, becomes empty, against this factor of awakening of equanimity. And speaking in this way, however, this is more theoretical knowledge. Uh, but it's not the knowledge which arises from our practice, however, it arises from studying. But when these things appear in our own hearts, then we will gain direct knowledge of them. We'll know what peace is like, we'll know what effort is like. We'll understand um, that really there's nothing there at all. Uh, that when we get stirred up by the things of this world, then the mind becomes very agitated. It becomes agitated by these conventions. It gets deluded and lost in these conventions. So when we take the knowledge, theoretical knowledge, the things we read in the scriptures, and compare that with our practice, then this can create a bit of a mess. And I did this before as well, that I used to study the scriptures a lot. For example, that, or a study about uh, the form, about feelings, about memory or perception, about mental formations, about sense consciousness. And I would think about them in this way. And there was one time that I asked Lumpur Cha a question on this, asked to explain form, feeling, uh, perception, mental formation, sense consciousness. And in return, Lumpur Cha just stayed quiet. He didn't answer. And why was that? Well, actually, by not saying anything, he was giving his answer. He was telling me that this is just conventions. This is just theoretical knowledge. You shouldn't attach to these things. 
Don't become deluded by this knowledge that you've gained. It's much better to have mindfulness looking at your own mind, knowing what's there. Is it liking? Is it disliking? And it's enough to practice just in this way. That when the mind is peaceful, then you will know for yourself. So I listened to what he said, and I took it on. And so I teach this myself a lot as well. It's like how I often say, whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, whether speaking, whether listening, whether thinking, always try to be mindfulness. Maintain your mindfulness. Um, have the awareness there within these foundations of mindfulness. Bring up this quality of sati a lot. Train in this way. Um, whether we are mindful of the body, over feelings of the mind, of the dhamma, you know, bring your mindfulness to one of these aspects. And when it's like this, when it's on one of these objects, then peace arises. But in the beginning, however, it's natural there'll be a lot of scatteredness in the mind. It won't be stable. There'll be many doubts coming up. And so we can practice, or we can doubt about absolutely everything in the practice. Doubt about this path, doubt about the teachings. But what you should do is use wisdom to teach your own mind. All of these doubts, tell yourself that they're not sure, they're inconstant, they're not me, they're not mine. Know these doubts as they occur. Don't get lost in them. Know that the mind is doubting right now. Uh, because if this awareness isn't in time, then the mind will be very uh, stirred up by these feelings of doubts. So if there's liking, if there's disliking, if there's uncertainty, if there's inner scatteredness, if there's annoyance, if there's sleepiness, we see that these are the things which stir up the mind, which prevents it from reaching peace. So we need to train to bring up our meditation objects, to come and sit in meditation, be training ourselves and collecting our minds together so that they become very full, full of these skillful objects. And this is a very high form of merit. And if we practice like this, then the mind will gain peace, it will gain joy and rapture. And all of us will meet with the truth, the Dhamma here in this life. We gain stillness internally, and it's possible for all of us to reach this. And so when the mind is still, then we come and contemplate. We look at the things that it's giving rise to. We look at its proliferations. And we see that really there's no self there. Really there's nothing there. And knowledge arises, wisdom arises. We experience liberation. We uh, distance ourselves from attachment. And this may happen just temporarily, but it's enough for us to see the Dhamma. And here joy comes up and our faith turns stable and strong. We gain this faith in the teachings of the fully awakened Buddha. And uh, so we, well, these teachings have been laid down well already. They have been taught well already. And so we shouldn't doubt about them. And when we see into them clearly, then all our doubts will be relieved. And so we should put in our efforts, really train our minds, 
And perhaps, it's not sure, maybe when we're listening to the Dhamma, then we'll be able to see into the nature of conventions. Vimuti, liberation, will arise for us. We'll see that there's really no me, no mine. We train our minds in this way. Perhaps we can recollect death, tell ourselves life is not sure, but death is sure. We can look at the breath and focus on it as it comes and leaves at the tip of our nose. Or we can look uh, or watch the breath at the chest or in the abdomen. Or we recollect the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha through these words of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. We can contemplate emptiness, see all things as being empty, all things. Well, this is Nibbana. And Nibbana is a pure emptiness. So may all of you really train yourselves, always be cultivating your minds, be recollecting, recollecting these mantras or these chants. Itipi So, for instance, can go through this 108 times. Maybe you can get uh, some mala beads or something to count uh, how many times you've chanted through it. And wherever you go, then take this chanting with you. Don't just waste your time in a way that is devoid of benefit. Because we should see the benefit of the time that we have. We shouldn't just throw it away, but always be using it to cultivate our hearts. Because as time steadily passes, then uh, our life steadily passes away as well. And we just don't know when we're going to die. And so we shouldn't be heedless in thinking that I'm going to live for a hundred years. Because we just don't know when our end will come. It's not sure. When will we die? We don't know. So we shouldn't be heedless. And when we're not heedless, then we'll be firmly intent in cultivating our minds, in bringing about inner peace, in seeing into the nature of conventions, the nature of all the things which we attach to, and letting these go, reaching liberation, reaching emptiness. A state where there's no me, there's no mine, and here the heart becomes pure and bright. So this training is for the sake of bringing about inner radiance and purity. And this is the teaching of every self-awakened Buddha, all of them. So therefore, we need to put that into practice. We need to train. Because the Buddha has already taught us to abandon these evil things, to make skillfulness uh, complete, and to purify our own minds. So we shouldn't just throw away the time that we have but rather put these teachings of the Buddha into practice to cultivate our own minds. You can contemplate all things as being empty, that all things are Buddha. All things have this nature of awakening. This nature of awakening is within everything. We contemplate like this. And there was one time that I had a nimitta. I had this clear mental vision and uh, I was in China, staying at a Chinese monastery that had 500 monks living in it. So I was staying there for three days, and then one of the monks came and told me that if you're going to stay here for longer, then you need to change your robes. You can't wear the robes that you're wearing, you need to wear some of our robes. And I replied that, um, I'm a Kamatana monk, I'm a meditation monk, so I need to wear these meditation robes, and I, it's not possible for me to change them. 
So this monk responded that in that case you need to ask for special permission from the abbot of the monastery. So I went to ask him, and as I was going there I could see uh, Limpucha Ajancha spreading his metta, his kindness to me. So I bowed to the abbot, and he didn't say anything to me. But rather what he did was he took his finger and he tapped it on various points on his head, and then a sound came out. And I thought, what do I do? And so he tapped his head, and it made some sounds. And then he asked me, he just said this one word, everything. So I responded, anatta, not self. And then he asked me, anatta, and I responded, Buddha. That everything is anatta, and the Buddha is there within everything. And so the fully, rightly self-awakened Buddha, this nature of awakening, is there within everything. And if we see that this body and this mind is not me, then we see the Dhamma there within our own hearts immediately. So therefore, may all of you have this firm faith. May you have firm intention and focus on this practice and be contemplating the Dhamma constantly, giving rise to inner peace, giving rise to inner knowledge. And it's not long, or rather, when we know or the, when this knowledge arises, it happens in an instant. But the cultivating of our bharami, of our spiritual virtues, to give rise to this knowledge, that's something that takes a long time, quite a long time. And it's similar to us getting the money or the wealth that we have now. Um, that having that wealth, it happens in an instant. But working to get that, uh, studying, right from the level of kindergarten and then into primary school, uh, to high school, to university, maybe some people even got their doctorate, doctorates, um, gaining this knowledge in order to find that wealth, it takes time and it's very difficult. But when we already have that knowledge there, when we've already trained, but in that effort, then it's not so difficult uh, for us to gain some wealth. And so this practice, um, we need to put in the causes for uh, this knowledge. And putting in those causes is something that's quite tough. Being generous is hard. Keeping the precepts is difficult. Training ourselves in mindfulness and in samadhi, collectedness of mind, building up our wisdom, this is something tough. But we see the benefits of doing it. And uh, we shouldn't become despondent, we shouldn't become disheartened, but really try to practice. And in no long time we will see. Because all of those beings who have attained to the Dhamma, they relied upon faith, upon effort, upon sincerity. And so we practice without letting the practice go, without stopping. Just like how the wise people say that in a rock there is fire. But if we don't take two rocks and uh, clash them together, we don't strike them together, 
then no spark can arise. There's no heat that comes up. And so within our own minds, there is a Buddha there. There's a Buddha there within every single mind. Um, But if we don't practice, then that Buddha can't appear, it can't arise. And so we train our minds to have value, uh, to have life, to have freshness. And we see that those people who practice the Dhamma, they have very bright and fresh faces because of the kindness, the compassion within their hearts, because they have inner peace. So may all of you train like this uh, consistently, both in this eight-day retreat and also when you leave this retreat. And when you leave the retreat, don't just leave your meditation, but take this meditation with you. Really be focused on meditating. Uh, When you're working, you can practice as well. Always be cultivating the heart. And uh, this will really help out the practice. It'll make it go very quickly. Uh, So may all of you succeed. May all of you meet with the Dhamma.